Hi, welcome to Make Your Own Rules, the Mavericks Unlimited podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Roy, and this is the place to become your best self, do work you love, and live life on your terms. On this podcast, we speak to Mavericks who inspire us. We aim to get the insight and wisdom from their story to give you the clarity, courage, and confidence that you need to make your own rules. And you know how sometimes you just meet someone who's so effortlessly inspiring, it's unreal. Well, that was my experience with Glenn Elliott. Glenn is the founder of Reward Gateway and the author of Build It, the rebel playbook for world-class employee engagement. Glenn is a highly successful entrepreneur. He's also a former engineer whose approach to employee engagement is simple, down-to-earth and just common sense. To him, engagement isn't some fluffy HR issue, but really is the single most important business improvement tool. As a result, he's a highly sought-after speaker and travels the world championing employee engagement to large companies. As a person, Glenn is grounded, warm and real, and that's what makes him so inspiring. There's no inauthenticity, there's no pretense, and that's what makes him so effective. So with that, let's jump in and see what Glenn had to say. So hi Mavericks, Christian Roy here, again with the Mavericks Unlimited podcast. And uh, this week, I'd like to welcome a very special guest, Mr. Glenn Elliott. Hi Glenn, how are you today? I'm great, Chris. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you, great to have you. So... Um, so for everyone who's listened to our podcast before, you'll know that we've spoken to uh, a lady called Claude Silver, who's one of our good friends, and Glenn was connected to us through Claude. And um, Glenn has a, a really fascinating take on a subject that's very close to our heart, which is around employee engagement. So Glenn, tell us a little bit about your background. Just tell us a little bit about who you are before we kind of dive in. Uh, okay, so I kind of... Um well, I started my life as an engineer, so I'm a computer scientist, really. I'm a right. software engineer. Uh, I did a 10-year, nearly 10-year corporate career in BT, a phone company, um, where I kind of learned, when I look back on that time, I, I, I realized I'd learned some of the ways that large companies disengage their staff. Although I didn't know it was, didn't know it as employee disengagement or engagement at the time. Right. I, I wasn't familiar with the terms. But I kind of I left BT after a good you know a good a good nine ten years, um, uh, and I set set up uh, a series of businesses uh, myself. The 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 latter of which, the most successful of which, uh, was the one that became Reward Gateway. It's a HR tech business. Mm-hmm. Um, it started as an employee benefits business, and it right. qu- quickly expanded into a wider range of employee engagement things. Yeah. So kind of I ran that for. Um, 11 and a half years. I stood down as CEO last year. Um, and in that 11 and a half years, you know, I'd worked with nearly 2,000 companies around the world, everyone wow. from McDonald's to McKinsey, IBM to Iceland Frozen Foods. I mean, every, everybody. Yeah. Um, playing a sort of you know, a small role in their own employee engagement strategies. And, mm-hmm. we, and I kind of learned a lot about people um, in doing that. And growing Reward Gateway itself, you know, the we, start, you know, we started with a, you know, a gang of friends, yeah, yeah. We ended. I uh, ended. I ended eleven and a half years later with four hundred staff, uh, four hundred staff in nine countries. So you know, growing that business, I learned a lot about people, um, how to create an environment to get the best out of them, where they you know, wanted yeah. to do their best work and could do their best work. Um, so I kind of really, I learned about employee engagement and leadership and culture that way. Um, right. And I, you know, people have often said to me that. I'm not like your classic consultant because I've kind of 
I've done it. I've done the. I've got the greatest knees and the scars of having actually <laughs> done it myself. Right. So I, I know that nothing actually works like the textbook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, of course. It's a much more messy affair yeah. um, than, uh, <laughs> than than it looks. So that's kind of me, really. Okay. Okay. And uh, and I have to say, I mean, we're we're sat in the Reward Gateway London office, and uh, I think you can tell a lot about an organisation just from you know looking at how people interact and what. This is not your typical workplace or even just your typical office yeah people often say that it's um this was our first this is the first office that we'd actually designed properly every other office until this one we just sort of moved in and threw some laptops on the table and that was it um but in this office we we try to really think about how people would work and talk together and behave and communicate together and how they'd have a you know a really great environment to work in uh we've been here for just over two years it's worked really really well uh, and we've now rolled this out around the world. So mo- most of our officers now look and feel just like this one, which is great. Love it. I mean, there's more you know, more colour than you'd find in a typical office here. And it's just yeah. a lovely environment. And it's a bit more like home. I mean, I'm you know, I'm sitting on a sofa right now with my feet up. And there's lots of people around the office I can see sitting on sofas and things. So it's, I guess it's, it's a bit more like home or a sort of comfy hotel than it is your classic office where you're sitting bold upright in a... You know, a hardbacked chair yeah, um, yeah, yeah. for eight, nine hours, looking uncomfortable. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> strangely, strangely, people don't do their best work when uncomfortable, but that, that seems to be a revelation to lots of people. I know. What's that all about? It's mm. bizarre, isn't it? So, you've kind of got this. You're in the situation now. You're still the founder, but you're concentrating more on kind of going around, really, kind of talking about employee engagement. And you wrote a book called. Uh, build it the rebel playbook for employee engagement so and i mean it's sort of become a you know when i speak when i think of the the various kind of people leaders i i know sort of become a little bit of a bible so um you've got reward gateway which you've built which obviously has a very different approach to uh engagement as you say you're not typical consultant because you've done it yourself (laughs) but also i guess as you've engaged with a couple of thousand companies you've been able to really observe what organisations do, what works, what doesn't work, that kind of thing, and you've sort of come to a quite a, quite an unusual position. So, what does employee engagement mean to you? If you were kind of to define it, and kind of what's right and what's wrong with how we perceive that term, even yeah, just say. I mean, I, I'm I'm quite straightforward and simple about things. I don't like to get too caught up in jargon and stuff. And I think all employee engagement is. Uh, it is about creating an environment where people can do their best work and they mm-hmm. want to do their best work. Um, so often we talk about the sort of three the three things that you see um, that you need for an, an employee to be engaged. They need to one understand and to some extent believe in and and have com- and have uh, an interest in the mission or purpose of the organisation. So yeah. whatever you're doing, whether you know you're making better workplaces or you're saving dolphins or you're producing environmentally friendly carpet or you're selling clothing or whatever that, that you need to start by saying do you know what i think this is a good use of my time and i, and I think this is a cool place to, thing to do yeah the second thing they need to do is they need to understand how their personal role affects that mission's success yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so they understand they have to have a role that actually is meaningful yeah um, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh which is not always the case yeah. um uh, some jobs aren't particularly meaningful uh, or, or the meaning is difficult to understand or is lost. So they need to, be yeah. able to connect what they're doing with success. And then the third thing is they need to um, deeply and genuinely want the organization to succeed. 
um, which sounds kind of obvious, um, but it's not. You know, it means that on occasion, not all the time, but on occasion, they'll put the organization's needs ahead of their own. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, their, their own short-term needs anyway. Uh, and that's about, you know, you, sometimes you call that going the extra mile, you call that doing the right thing for the customer. Yeah. And I think if you've got those three things, you're probably looking at a member of staff who is engaged. Yeah. Um, but I think that what's important is, you know, I, I sometimes come across definitions of engagement or discussions about engagement which are very, very absolute. Um, you know, people will always do this and will always do that and will always put the organization's yeah, needs yeah, ahead. Yeah, yeah. But of course they won't because we're people, we're human, you know. And I mean, I'm a, I'm generally a very engaged member of staff, yeah. but I have some days when I've just had enough, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, of course. <laughs> and I think, you know, no, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, the, I'm going now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that, you know, whatever, that journalist who needs a comment they'll have to wait until tomorrow because right now my needs are greater <laughs> you know i've just i've given all i can and i think that's probably the difference between a long-term engaged company and what can go wrong which is sometimes people try and run a cult and i've seen some you know uh, unfortunate situations where you know a leader has got themselves kind of the wrong end of the stick on engagement and they, they they've they've ended up essentially trying to run some sort of cult and if someone oh. isn't towing the company line on every single matter all the time then they're not on the bus and they should leave yeah yeah yeah. and that's not what it's about you know employee engagement is about it's about caring about work and if you care about work sometimes it will really annoy you yeah. you know uh you're not going to agree with everything the company does you know you're going to be you know, engaged employees are not deliriously happy all the time. No, 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 absolutely. Because sometimes they'll think, God, the company's making a really big mess of this. Yeah. When they're going to the get the right they've together. got skin in the game at that they've point. They've got skin they? in the game. Yeah, they care. Um, and I think that's the thing, you know, is, is they care about it. And I think if you're in, you know, the sort of, how do you feel you're in an engaged organization? There's kind of good debate, discussion. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, polite arguments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because, you know, they're examples of, they're the things that happen when people care about something and, yeah. and, are, and are passionate. You know, if you're ever in a meeting or in a company where there isn't any of that, it's 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 rarely that there's perfect harmony. It's right. normally that no one gives a toss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Isn't that the truth? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess the, the thing is, it's not only that there's polite debate, but it's safe to have that debate. Because sometimes yeah, conflict very can good be point. Uh, quite negative as well. So, I mean... You know, employee engagement, it can almost sound like one of those leadership management buzzwords or, you know, kind of something that corporates talk about, but, you know, f startups might not even think about. Or that kind of Why should organisations even give a crap about employee engagement? I know that's a... Yeah, I mean, well, look, well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm different to... Other, I'm, we're all different. I'm an entrepreneur first. I'm a business person. I'm an entrepreneur. Yep. Uh, so, uh, for me, there's only one reason why you give a stuff about employee engagement. It's because engaged employees build better, stronger, more resilient, more successful organizations. So, uh, you know, it's like if someone's interested in what's the best measure of employee engagement, it's profit and growth. Yeah, because if you want your organization to grow successfully, navigate what's an incredibly difficult environment for most companies, mm -hmm. things changing, you know, daily and weekly, yeah, yeah. Uh, really, really fast-paced competitors, you need your staff on site. So that's the reason you do employee engagement. It's not sort of, a fluffy initiative you do on the side because you've got some spare time or you think you should do it for the corporate brochure. Yeah. Uh, it is the single most important, most effective uh, business improvement tool that mm. exists. Because 
very, very, very few organizations are not completely dependent on the creativity, decision-making, and output of their people. Right. I think right. when Instagram sold to Facebook, we had 14 staff, which is wonderfully unique. Yeah, yeah. Most of us do not get to build a multi-billion dollar organization with 14 staff. No, yeah? no, no. That's and I bet right. the 14 were highly engaged. Yeah, You'd think, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, you would. I think, you know, so most of us, you know, our organization is nothing but our people. Interestingly, people are often saying that, and then they do very little to make sure those people are in a great place where they can do their best work yeah. and want to do their best work. And that's all employee engagement is about. Interesting, interesting. So, I mean, obviously certain cultures of organizations, certain types of organizations are probably going to buy into that more than others. I mean, And what you're saying is, personally, something I would very much agree with, but, you know, there are other business people out there would be like, it's actually about margins or it's actually about, you know, technology or whatever else. Well, the thing is, you know, it's about margins. So how do you get your margins up? people well good, good you know, it's about technology so how do you build the technology that your customers want in five years time i mean it ain't going to build itself how do you have the ideas of what yeah. product to build how do you refine them how do you fix all the bugs in it i mean you know i mean reward gateway is a technology business yeah, yeah it's a SaaS. it's a SaaS product yeah, yeah. It's a technology business but software does not write itself you know there's a six it takes 400 staff to Build that, build and service that technology. Build new features, add new stuff. Listen to customers, sell to customers, service customers, mm-hmm. renew them, build them, handle their problems and issues. You know, if you take the staff out, it's just some lines of code that would stop working probably in a few weeks. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know? So I think, you know, whenever I meet, and I do occasionally meet uh, CEOs who say, well, the polite word is odd. The honest word is stupid things. <laughs> and they say, oh, yeah, you're that fluffy guy, aren't you? Like, I just look at the numbers. That's I'm a numbers guy. And I just think, I just don't understand fundamentally how that works. You know, you're, you want your business to grow, so you're going to stare into Excel or Google Sheets. Because like, anything you do in a, I mean, this, all that is is it's just a mathematical model of the output of people. Right, right, yeah? right. Like, you know, if, you, if you're looking at your P&L, budget for next year and you say right i'm going to add a half million pounds of revenue from this new product we're going to build it's going to do x y and z great so you've made the spreadsheet now someone's got to design the product and write the code right and test it and refine it and iterate it and, and sell who's it. going to do that and sell it who's going to do that people are going to do People's it funny that isn't yeah it? and you know and if you're a standard organization if you're a bog standard average organization 70 percent of your staff according to the gap data are not engaged. So they're coming to work, they're being paid, they're doing the basics, they're keeping their head down, they're definitely not going to get fired, but they don't really care. Right. Uh, they're not, they don't really care about you and your business. They don't really care about the customer that much. Uh, and they're not bringing them, their whole selves to work. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, that's the big waste. So for me, it's not about what does employee engagement cost or why should we do it? It's about are you aware of the vast destructive cost of employee disengagement that's already in your business and that's i would and thing. i would guess that a lot a lot of organizations don't even necessarily think in those terms some don't definitely absolutely so often like i mean you you reward gateway to work with a couple of thousand organizations and i'm sure that a lot of people um, a lot of ceos for example would probably agree with with what you're saying um in terms of, you know, we all know that actions speak louder than words. In terms of where kind of 
business is at right now, how how much would you say organisations, large, small, are actually really engaging with tackling employee engagement as opposed engagement to paying engagement? Yeah, exactly. As opposed to paying lip service. Well, to I'd it. love to I'd love to paint a rosy positive picture, but I'm, I don't think there is one. Is the truth. Um, Gallup have been surveying employee engagement for I think 30, 35 years mm. and I always go to the Gallup data for the simple reason it's the world's biggest data set Absolutely. so we're not talking about like someone's knocked up a survey monkey here you know it's like there's 30 million data points going back thir- uh, 30 years um, and and also their data correlates with everybody else's data so it's you know there, there, there isn't much margin of disagreement in yeah, the employee yeah. engagement data around the world no matter whose data you look at and what Gallup find is, and there's a small amount of difference between countries, but it's not as much as you'd expect. About uh, 70% of people are disengaged at work, so only 33-0 are engaged. And that number just isn't really changing much. I think, you know, at best, if you kind of scrabble around in the data, you might find a one percentage point improvement in the last five years. Wow. It's not much. That's incredible. And I think it's interesting, you know, when, and it's, because you've got some people who are actually, you know, in the industry and in HR and uh, kind of almost getting employee engagement fatigue. They think they've done it and nothing works. So you've got people inventing new terms for it, like, oh, it's not about employee engagement, it's about employee experience. Or it's oh not about God. employee experience, it's about organizational health. Or it's not about organizational health, it's about something else. And the truth is, when you look past the buzzword on the front of the book and you read the stuff, there's no difference between employee experience, really, and employee engagement no, and, the, and they can't be because we're talking about human motivation mm-hmm. so th- there's no uh, you know there's, there isn't any there isn't really any opportunity for having a new completely radical view on it because yeah, yeah. human beings haven't changed um uh, w- the problem we've got is that people are doing a lot of talking about employee engagement and they're not fundamentally changing their businesses so we're still largely running businesses how we ran them 100 years ago. Right. With a management hierarchy, um, a top-down approach. Most organizations treat their staff assuming that their staff are criminals and are going to steal from them if they're not controlled. Wow. Um, which is why the, you know, the, the classic employee handbook or the employment contract looks so grim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Absolutely. And most companies, they under, under-communicate with their staff they don't trust them. They bring in far too much process and control. So they reduce jobs down so they've got no freedom. If there's no freedom to make mistakes, there's no growth. Yeah, yeah. There's no growth, there's no development, no matter how much training you've got. And and, and they're the things that disengage staff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if you want to if you want to change that, you you've got to fundamentally change how you treat people at work. Um Sticking it, you know, employee engagement fun day on the end of things <laughs> is fine, but it's not going to make any difference if you don't change how you treat your staff. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. So, grim, grim thinking, as it were, for the time being. Well, it's interesting. It's kind of grim thinking in the, in the progress, but what's it? What's maybe the optimistic view is the changes that you need to make to your organization are actually quite straightforward. They're just completely counterintuitive and not what people think business is. So, you know, if you like people think business is about, you know, coming to work in a suit, dressed a certain way and behaving a certain way. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, climbing the greasy pole and the management hierarchy and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, you can do that. And if you do that, you'll end up with 30% staff engagement. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Whereas actually, 
the things which make organizations really, really sing and work are being honest with everybody, compulsively honest, explaining what's going on properly, having really, really great two-way communication, creating a culture where it's safe to challenge and question and mm. disagree and argue and debate and stuff, creating jobs that have got freedom to fall over and make mistakes in so that you can learn and develop and try new things. Um, you know, having, having a culture where people regularly say thank you to each other and appreciate it, it, each other. Uh, and where there's a culture of being grateful for people's contribution rather than saying, you know, stuff like, well, you're paid, though that should be enough. Like I was talking to a um, an HR director just a couple of weeks ago, and she said, oh, my, 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 my CEO, he... Uh, he thinks that you know staff get a salary and that they should be grateful for it and that's all that they should get. Oh my God. And unfortunately, you know, it's just a very reductive way to run a business, and it doesn't treat people as humans. It treat, it assumes people are an effective component of a machine, which they're yeah. just not. You know, so if you can treat people like that, thousands of businesses, millions of businesses treat people just like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why they've got thirty percent staff engagement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah? Um, and if you want to have more. You just need to change how you think, which is to think, do you know what? Uh, I'm really lucky to have this team here. Uh, they're coming, and I want them to give their all to work. And if you think, actually, I'm not lucky to have this team. Some of this team isn't very good. Well, get rid of them then. Get them out. Because, you know, one of the big things that people say to me sometimes is, oh, I, Glenn, you know, you talk about trust and minimal process and job freedom, but I can't trust my staff. I'm like, okay, well, don't employ them then. Because like, if you can't trust the person that's working for you, they shouldn't be working for you. Right, right, like right. You need to exit them and, and you need to employ people you can trust. Yeah. So there's no, it's a complete, um, it's, it's, a, it's kind of, uh, uh, it's mismanagement to say, well, this is the workforce I've got, so I don't trust them, so I'm going to just like reduce myself to the lowest common denominator and treat everyone poorly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you need to build a great team and then treat them really well. I mean, as you say, it, it's pretty simple when you actually put it in those terms. Sometimes I'm, I, 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 speak, I do, a lot, do a lot of confidence speaking, yeah. and I quite often, halfway through my talk, my keynote, have this kind of Im, like imposter syndrome fear, where I just think, oh my god, I'm t- I'm, what I'm talking about is blindingly obvious, and I'm a complete fraud, because <laughs> this is just common sense that we learn as children, and and then afterwards, you know, someone always, yeah, I always get people come up to me afterwards and say, oh wow, Glenn, that was inspirational, that was amazing, thank you so much, and I'm like, really, was it really, yeah, okay, uh, thank you, it's nice to hear that, because it's really quite straightforward, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, we're just not doing it. Um, and it's not even expensive to do. Most of it's an attitude of mind rather than a let's you know write a large check for some engagement technology or, yeah, yeah, or yeah. you know or the system or something. Something. Well, wh- I mean, one of the things that really strikes me about this and strikes me about you is, you know, forgive me for painting a, a stereotype of an engineer here, but you know, you're you're not a you know a, an HR fluffy you know, kind of tea and sympathy type person. You've come from an engineering background. You're a tech entrepreneur. And yet you've got, you know, you've got this this very human-centered approach to... And something else that just struck me, I said it to, to Will as I walked in, and Will is your uh, your PA. Um, I went, went into the loo here. And it's, it's going to sound really good. And literally, it's the only place I think I've ever been into where everyone who came in and out of the loo said... Hi, how you doing? I'm a complete stranger, but you know, it's like, hi, how you doing? Yeah, that's 
it sounds really small. It's a really small point, but yeah. it's po- it points to something. It really points to something. Yeah, I think you know it points to a workplace where people are comfortable and happy. Uh, it doesn't mean that they don't work hard because they do because they're you know focused and dedicated too, but they're relaxed. And it's interesting, you know, I I, I went to, I mean, I spend a lot of my time. I actually spend a lot of my time working at home now, and I spend the rest of my time in the Reward Gateway office. And I only spend a little bit of time in corporate offices, actually. Mm. Uh, and it's easy to forget what corporate offices are like. Uh, and I was in one recently. Um, I went to meet somebody. And I and I did, and it felt very different. You know, the, the, the foyer was larger than, I think, our entire office. <laughs> <laughs> with two receptionists stuck in the middle of it in, uh, by themselves. And you, know, you could kind of hear a pin drop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the meeting rooms were huge and vast and far too big for what we needed. But what was interesting, I thought, was that the people I met, who have both been with the organisation for quite a while and were quite senior, mm-hmm. their kind of the way their manner with each other was kind of like walking on eggshells. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I just come, I just come from a, a training session in our office where I was, um, I was walking through the engagement bridge, my engagement model, with uh, seven of our client services staff. We were sitting on beanbags on the floor mm-hmm. with a whiteboard pen, and we just like did two and a half hours of semi-structured conversation. And I gone from there to this corporate office where these two senior people were, you know, all dressed up in their suits, and were like, "Yeah, just tiptoeing, tiptoeing around the issues." And you know, one was more senior than the other, and they were clearly, she was, they were clearly frightened to upset the the way things were. And it just felt so hideously dysfunctional. Oh boy, um, you know, and uh, and these are nice people from, that work yeah, for a nice sure. company. But it just felt very, very wrong. Um, so yeah, I think you know one of the things when you when you work on an engaged culture, one of the byproducts of it, I guess, is or one of the steps towards it maybe is you know people feel comfortable at work. Yeah, yeah. And if they're comfortable at work, well, physically comfortable and mentally comfortable in a safe space, that's when they, you know, they they verbalize their ideas and their yeah. thoughts and their comments. You know, I start, as I meet people who say, you know, we're often asking clients what their objectives are for or their strategic objectives in HR and people. And, and, you know, a common one or a not uncommon one is we need to be more innovative. Yeah. You know, and people would say, my staff never have any ideas. And it's not true. Their staff have got ideas, but they just don't share them. No, of course yeah. not. <laughs> uh, but it's, you know, in, in any organization, including this one, if you want to know the ideas that will make a difference, you just need to get to the front line customer service and they'll tell you everything that's wrong. Absolutely. Get to the cold place, right? Absolutely. Without, yeah, absolutely. Always. The question isn't have they got the ideas. The question is have you put them in a position where they want to share them? Absolutely. Where they, feel, where they can care to share them, they feel safe to share them, and they think it's useful. And most of the time, the answer to that is no. And that doesn't mean putting a suggestion box on the wall, does no. it? <laughs> I mean, it's a start. You could do that. It wouldn't hurt, but it's not the it's not it's not the key thing. No, 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 no absolutely. I think you know one of the things that, that strikes me. You know, um, part of the reason why I was interested in talking to you, uh, you know, from the Mavericks' point of view, is you are you you come across very down to earth. You've got, as you say, you've got it's almost kind of common sense stuff. And I think a lot of people think Mavericks are people who are out there. They are. Mm. It's actually just someone who goes against what is the the given wisdom, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're you're completely out there. As you're saying, what you're saying is actually kind of common sense in a certain kind of way. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, when we talk, when we named the book, so we the book came out in February, so we probably named it quite a while ago, actually, maybe about a year and a half ago. Um, 
and Wiley, my publisher, were obsessed with calling it Build It because it follows a, a bridge model. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I didn't really like that name. I wanted to give it a sort of a strong subheading, which was mitigator. Um, and we wanted it to be a practical book, which was you know full of. We wanted it to be inspirational, but also sort of pragmatic examples. Cause yeah. I'm a pragmatist. I, want, I wanted people to put it down and say, right, I've got three ideas I'm going to do yeah. on Monday. So we had this idea of calling it a playbook. And then there was a big debate internally about whether it was a rebel playbook or just mm-hmm. a playbook. And I ended up running a little survey uh, internally reward gateway just to ask people what they thought and people were quite split um you know it was about 50 50 between thinking it should be we should use the word rebel and we shouldn't uh and the people who thought we shouldn't were worried that some of our clients just weren't rebellious and would be would be freaked out and would be frightened and turned mm-hmm. off by it so i went home for that weekend and my job was to decide is it a rebel playbook or is it a playbook yeah uh and i thought about it for a couple of days and then it hit me on the when i woke up on a sunday morning you know often you wake up and the answer's in your head clearly yeah yeah and I woke up and I thought, well, it has to be a rebel playbook because it's the status quo of how we do business mm-hmm. that's caused the state of, in, of employee disengagement. Yeah. So if you're not prepared to rebel against normal business practice, you will not get anywhere in employee engagement. But you're right in that it's business practice that's wrong. The way we treat people at work is wrong. We wouldn't, you know, if you tr- if you treated people at home like you treat people at work, you'd have no friends. Absolutely <laughs> right. <laughs> Your family would have deserted you. Um, so it's business practice wrong. The actual things that you do are not that weird. I mean, you know, when we make corporate changes, we communicate them really, really well, and we put lots of FAQs and we listen to people's feedback at night, and uh, you know, we give lots of channels for communication back. What's so weird about that? That's you know, that's not. You know, I mean, it is rebellious because people don't do it, but it's 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 not controversial. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, we say thank you to people a lot. Yeah, I you know I spend a little bit of time. My colleague Greg, Greg Lederman, uh, he's got a great new book uh, called Craved just coming out, which is all about recognition. And he and he it's subtitled Ten Minutes by Friday, which is just about you know starting a new culture of recognition by um, having your exec team start by just ten every every week by Friday, spend 10 minutes thinking about someone in the organization who you may have overlooked or you just need to say thank you to or write a short note to. Love just that. 10 minutes, all it takes. No money, all any cash, just need you know, some little personal note. Makes a world of difference to them. And I think, you know, you know, is that rebellious? Yes, because most organizations don't do it. Is it controversial? Well, I was taught to say thank you to people when I was a child by mm-hmm. my mum. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and write thank you notes. So it's not that controversial. It's just for some reason, somehow we were misled that if you come to work because we get paid to come to work, all the normal sensibilities of being human don't apply. But it turns out that they do because it's the same people who are at work who are at home. Right, absolutely. (laughs) Surprise! They They haven't turned into a different beast. So, you know, if people get upset at home by being kept in the dark and not listened to, Funnily enough, they get upset at work by being kept in the dark and yeah, not listened yeah, to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah? So all you've got to do is stop doing that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and they're the, they're the things that you know we need to do as organisations. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that being the case, I mean, obviously, you've, you've got the, the employee bridge model or the engagement bridge model, rather. Um, it, it seems quite obvious to you, and I think, having read the book, you know, some of the things you say, they're pretty pragmatically obvious, but... Just tell us what some of the uh, some things you say in the book. What are some of the things that you've seen are the kind of first things organisations, if they're going to start approaching this seriously, 
yeah. should start to look at. So the bridge model, uh, it's, t- it's, ten po- it's a 10-point model. Um, so there are 10 things that you can look at. Um, we always say there's no official starting point um, mm-hmm. because it depends on where you are as an organization. It depends on your context, what you did in the past, um, what feels important. Um, but it also depends on what you've got access, what you've got access. You've got, what you've got control of, yeah. Because um, I don't, you know, in a in a kind of kind of classic consultant's theoretical model, you'd probably start with mission, purpose, and values. Yeah. One of the items. So, well, let's start there because if you haven't, done, if you can't do that, then where are you going? The problem is that the person you're talking to might not have control of that, yeah, or yeah. it might have just been done two years ago, and you're going to go back and do it again. So, what we always say is, we say start where you can start Monday, because the biggest enemy of employee engagement change is inertia. It's mm-hmm. th- it's people having a meeting every two months about it, but actually not making any positive change. Mm. Um, I think the places where organizations commonly start um, is in uh, communications and in recognition. They're quite easy places to start. Yeah, well, yeah. They, they, they can be quite easy places to start, start um, in um, because they're basically attitudinal. I mean, when you think about recognition... And I think about recognition uh, as recognition and visibility. Mm-hmm. It's just about, you know, human beings have a need, an intrinsic need to be seen and to be visible. Yeah. So if someone's at work and they feel that they're ignored and, you know, their boss or whoever, no one knows that they're, they're there and no one seems to care if they're there or not. Yeah. They'll start behaving like no one cares if they're there or not. Right. Yeah? So they'll do the basics. They'll keep their head down and they'll leave at five or six whenever the right time is. Yeah. Um, and they'll do what's asked of them, but mm. they're not going to do anything extra or care enough to make change happen. Yeah. Um, so recognition of visibility is straightforward. You know, I mean, the, the I always say, I mean, you know, we walk gateway sells all manner of recognition technology, which our sales team would love to sell to everybody, and it's very good in selling. <laughs> However, I, you, you, frankly, you don't really need it because uh, uh, you know, if you want to get started on recognition, I just buy the exec team. Uh, a bunch of thank you cards, some stamps, and give them access to the HR system for people's home addresses. Right, right, because right. Because nothing, I mean, n- no no award, cash award, or prize, or anything is as meaningful as a handwritten personal letter sent home from someone you weren't expecting it. Right. And also very close to that, very, very effectively close to that is a phone call. You know, I remember, remember being in New York um, several years ago. And at the time, we had an in-house TV program um, called Global Briefing that ran every fortnight. And I was in New York. I was actually at a Simon Senate conference that day. Right. And in the break, I'd, I'd watched this week's Global Briefing on my on my phone. And it was just a great episode. It was like a really amazing episode. It was really informative about what was going on in the company. It was just really, really good. The production, the team who put it together, it was really good. There was four people involved in that episode, and I just called them all in the break. Mm-hmm. Just as I say, hey, it's Glenn here. So I'm the CEO at that time. So they kind of, you know, that's that's you know unusual that CEO calls in that blue. And I just said, I'm I'm just calling to say that it was an amazing episode of Global Briefing, and thank you very much for it. And it was, I was just really wowed by it, and well done. Awesome. That's the only reason I called. And it's funny. All of them sort of said, "Oh, thank you very much." Put the phone down, and then by the end of the day, all four of them had separately sent me an email saying that was the most amazing call I've ever had, and it's completely made my month. And I'm so I'm so grateful for you calling. And it's like, what did that cost me? It cost me nothing. It took five minutes. Right, right, right. Um, And I think you know, the interesting thing about employee recognition is 
the tools are ludicrously simple. I mean, they can't. It could be a post-it note in a Mars bar less than someone's desk. You know, it it, it hasn't got to be right. You know, uh, anything. The problem is that a lot of people in business, managers and leaders, um, they have grown up in a world where they don't understand why you should say thank you to people or why you should be appreciative. I know there are some managers and leaders think they even think it makes them look weak, uh, right. which is absolutely ludicrous. Um, and um, we just need to get out of that mindset. So you know, the, the the thing which is most effective with clients actually is not like have they you know have they bought the most amazing recognition technology because there's loads of great recognition technology there if you want to use it. It's actually have they taken the time to sit down with managers and leaders in the business and actually get them to understand why it's important um, and how to use it. Right. Kind of key. And it's 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 funny when you say it, it sounds so obvious, doesn't it? And yet, it's really obvious, this yeah. is this thing of well, and also we we live in such an over complex world, mm. and we over complicate it as well. That I mean, let's face it: if you would send a thank you card home to, to someone's home, I mean, how often do we get meaningful snail mail these yeah. days? I mean, you know, I, I, my um my blog, my uh blog is um is is built and maintained by a little uh, web agency called Make um, in East London. And uh, they do a great job. Small team, they're lovely, they're always making improvements for me and stuff, and they're really, they're really responsive, and I love working with them. Uh, and so a couple of weeks ago, I was, I was, uh, I was on my favourite chocolate company's website, which I love, Coco's lovely little ethical small batch chocolate company in, in, in London. And I just saw a, like a six-pack of chocolate bars on it. I was like, oh, I'll send them to the guys at Make as a little and I like using this chocolate brand, Love Coco, because they always handwrite the message. So if you write, if you type a little me- little message into the yeah, website, yeah. and they handwrite it on the card, which is really sweet. Lovely. So you know, I, I just sent that to make unexpectedly, and you know, you just get a lovely response back, and you know, it shows them that I care about them, I'm grateful. And some people would think, well, they're a supplier, they get paid. That's enough. But it's not enough. I mean, it's enough if you want the basics. But if you, you know. It's also it's just not very nice, and it's like what I think it cost me fifteen pounds or something. Yeah, but, you know, yeah, it's absolutely. Like nothing. And you know, I just think you've got to think about not only like I often think like who do you want to be when you go to bed? Do you want to be the kind of do you want to go to bed as the kind of ball breaker boss who shouts at everybody and thinks he's getting mm. great you know results from being meanie, or do you want to do you want to go to bed um, as the person everyone loves working for? Um, and I always really wanted to be the latter. It doesn't mean that you don't. Have to, it doesn't mean that you don't make hard decisions sometimes. No, no, no. Take people out of jobs. It doesn't mean you don't. Have to, you know, I've, I mean, I must have fired or made redundant hundreds of people in my career um, because you know you're you're building a successful business and a successful team, and you uh, and in a fast growing business, you often have to tell people this is as far as you can go with us. And you've, mm-hmm. you, you've done a great job, and it's now time to move on and do something else. We need different skills. So it's not about being a pushover uh, or, or anything like that. Um, it's about being decent, fair, honest, respectful, grateful, um, communicating well, being consistent. It's about about those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really. That makes complete sense. Let's let's turn the the the, the tables to you, as it were, because uh, you've also got this point of view, but you've been a successful entrepreneur yourself. So I think that's also interesting as well. Where do you draw your your inspiration from? What kind of lights up your fire, mm. as it were? That's interesting. 
an inspiration film? I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of, I'm a big learner. I kind of, you know, my friend Joe Gaunt, um, who runs Hero Wellbeing, he, you know, he always taught me that uh, every day is a learning day. So I'm kind of, I've always been naturally very curious about things. So part of that comes from engineering, actually. The number of times I've been sitting with someone at a, at a Mac and I've done something, they're like, oh my God, how did you know that button did that? I'm like, well, I clicked on it and then found out. You know, right, right, right. Pressed it and they're like, oh. Uh, so I've always been actually curious, um, you know, uh, various, I kind of have fits, I kind of have like phrases of becoming obsessed with TED Talks or not obsessed with TED Talks. I'm reading quite a lot at the moment. What um, are you reading? What am I reading? Oh, funny, I'm reading, I'm reading an odd book right now. I'm, re- I'm reading Bank 4.0 just started, which is about the future of banking. And that's, be- that's not a normal book for me to read because I'm not interested in banking, if I'm honest. But I want to learn more about AI. Um, and that's a good start. Oh, have you because read I'm Life of Three Dot Zero? I n- no, but I've bought it. Life of Three D. Great I've book. Really it good. It. It's uh, it's in the bedroom, so it's close to the bed. Which is, it's going to get ready. It's going to make it. It will make it there. Um, I also just bought um, uh, just this week. I bought a book called Hired, uh, which is an investigative journalist's um, report on. He spent six months working in low-wage Britain, mm-hmm. um, working in warehouses and things. So I've just I read the first chapter of that last night. I mean, the sort of books that I'm, you know, have been really pivotal to me, I think, over the past few years are things like Brene Brown. I was fortunate mm. enough to see Brene Brown talk in a uh, conference in Boston. I'd never, ever heard of her. Uh, and she got up on stage and uh, taught this, was did this sort of keynote uh, speech. And she just bowled me over. She was just amazing. Yeah. Just absolutely the most amazing storyteller. Um, and I think at that time she had three. She had all three of her books in the New York Times top ten oh, bestsellers at the same time, which is just insane. Yeah, yeah. So Brene Brown's really amazing. Margaret Heffernan um, has been a real source of inspiration. Oh, I love Margaret Heffernan. She's amazing. Yeah, I just you know, sometimes on a Saturday morning I'll just stick Ted on and tap in Heffernan and watch anything she's done. I was really grateful she was kind enough to endorse my book, Build It, which was really really cool. Um, to so Heffernan's great. Um, Paddy, Paddy McCord, who was the chief talent officer at Netflix. Yep. Um, now I was fortunate to meet Paddy a few years ago at a conference. We've met several times since, uh, and you know she's—I mean, she is—she'd be a great person to have on your podcast because she's an utter maverick rebel, completely down to earth, very pragmatic. And you know what she did at Netflix was just amazing. Um, you know, she had 14 years there, yeah. completely inverting everything that is normally done in HR uh, and doing it differently and building an incredible, incredible organization. Uh, so that. yeah, there's some of the people that um, that have kind of inspired me, I guess. Awesome, awesome. And you, as you say, last year you stepped down as the CEO. You're now kind mm-hmm. of founder, and you're kind of um, doing a lot of you know speaking, building pro. What what's next for you? Where where are you heading? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. You know, when I when I was CEO, I, th- I I often said I've got the best job in the world, and I definitely thought I did have the best. You know, running this business for eleven and a half years was a real privilege. It was a you know it was massive challenge. Um, uh, but a real privilege. I worked with incredible people. It was amazing seeing them grow. Uh, but it was ultimately a really tough job because being CEO of a decent-sized organization is is tough and uh, never-ending. So I thought I had the best job in the world. I'm now definitely certain I've got the best job in the world now because there's <laughs> another um, there's another man who is now CEO of the Real Gateway, a guy called Doug Butler, who is just wonderful, lovely, lovely guy, and I could not I couldn't be happier to 
uh, have handed over the reins of the business to him. So I, I have I have no executive responsibility here at all. Uh, I'm not I'm not on the board. Um, I'm a I'm a shareholder still, um, but I'm literally I'm, a, I'm on an ordinary staff contract, so just like everybody else, mm. which I just love. Um, so I speak to Doug every normally every week. Um, he will, you know, we'll talk about whatever he wants to talk about, and I'll tell him whatever I think. But I. I expect most of my advice to be ignored because it's his show, it's not mine. Yeah. Um, which is cool. So what I'm doing is I uh, I try and help anyone inside the company or outside uh, that needs it. So it's really nice. I have, I'm, I'm very fortunate people give Gateway pays my salary and has given me a budget to run my founder's office. So I have no sales targets. I have no metrics. I have Wicked. I'm just, I'm just completely free with the world. Um, so I, I often bump into CEOs or leaders or HR people who are trying to do something with employee engagement, and if, and if we get along, I'll just try to help them in any way I can. I speak at conferences. Um, I've got back into writing again. I took a little writing break after finishing Build It because um, I was burnt out from that. Yeah. And I'm back into writing again on my blog, which I'm really loving. Um, and yeah, I'm kind of you know I'm, I'm trying. If, if I'm honest, I'm trying to be the most honest version of myself that I can. And one of the things which is nice about not being CEO is you know, when you're CEO of a business with 2,000 clients, mm-hmm. th- there is it can be hard sometimes to be completely honest publicly because nearly everybody, nearly every single business is either a client or maybe a com- maybe become a client yeah, yeah, yeah. or we're hoping they're going to become a client. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have to re- you know really be careful. You have to you know there's a you know even just little things like you know you want to rant on Twitter about a delivery that was missed and you can't yeah, because yeah, the delivery yeah. company's a client and you can want to offend them. Yeah. Uh, I'm a bit more distant now, um, so I can I can be a little bit more honest about what I think about things. I wrote an article last week about uh, what I thought about Wonga um, mm. for the administration. I'm just doing a two-part um, investigative piece on Amazon uh, called um, "Coming Shop at Amazon: Lift Their Conscience." Yep. Uh, so you know, I'm just, uh, it's kind of I kind of I'm in a fortunate position of um, uh, being a bit insulated from the business uh, being a little bit separate from it now yeah uh so i kind of you know i want to talk about culture leadership the future of work my worries about the future of work uh, yep. as well um in a really honest way i'm just gonna try and leave my truth awesome awesome i love that well thank you so much for your time today sure. glenn um i think you know there's been so much stuff there just lots of wisdom and just lots of you know good good uh down to earth common sense i think you know i think that's what that's my biggest takeaway that actually most of this is actually it's not rocket science is it no absolutely absolutely so thank you so much for your time today thanks for being on the podcast and mavericks thanks for listening in that was mr glenn elliott and we'll look forward to seeing you next time on the mavericks unlimited podcast bye for now hey listen up don't go yet did you get something meaningful out of this episode Well, the most meaningful thing that you can do right now is to go and leave a review on iTunes because those reviews are what keep us here. And please make sure to share and to subscribe to this podcast. Finally, are you unleashing your superpowers? Well, if so, show us on Instagram with the hashtag Mavericks Unlimited and we'll see you over there. And with that, thanks so much for listening to the Mavericks Unlimited podcast at mavericksunlimited.com. Bye for now.